Welcome to this podcast and what we're looking at today are things which our clients often ask us. John, what might a rise in interest rates do to the stock market? The simple answer is, is that the stock market is a discounting mechanism and therefore every share price has an implicit expectation built into it. So if interest rates rise uh, by discounting into the future, that means that the cost of capital or the expected rate of return must now rise too. And the present value of that discounted back to now will be a smaller number. So the present value of wherever that stock price is expected to be in the future will be a smaller number than it would be if interest rates were were lower. That is the very simple answer to theoretically why a rise in interest rates is bad for the valuation of equities. Thank you. What I gave there was a very theoretical stock answer. Of course, people talk about equities. So the valuation of equities in theory should fall if interest rates rise. But of course, there is no such thing as equities. That suggests that they're all the same. It depends on which a more sensible way of looking at it would be to ask which equities do you really want to own? And I would argue if, if the business climate became more difficult because in general interest rates have risen, then it's not every company that will labor under the same problems because rates have, have risen. So a, a blanket answer that says it's bad for equities, I think misses the point. It'll be bad for some equities, but for those equities that have pricing power, those equities that have been around for a long time, that have strong balance sheets, those businesses that have high returns on capital, those businesses that don't need uh, significant amounts of tangible capital to exist, then I would argue they'll be able to pass on price increases far more easily than other businesses, which will maintain their returns. And therefore, in the longer term or over the longer term, they won't be hit at all. And so as ever, rather than talking about equities or indices or assuming that all equities are the same, uh, investors really should be thinking about which equities do I need to own? And it's those kind of equities, the ones I've just described, that are the ones that will give you the best chance of coping with a general rise in interest rates. Would you say, John, looking at your explanation, that a long-term investor in a time of inflation might look at a house builder's share on the basis that if interest rates go up, people are less likely to buy houses. But if that house builder has a very good long-term land bank, it might be an opportunity to buy shares at good value. It might be. Uh, as a generalisation, house builders are not a sector that appeals to me. I'm not saying that you can't make money in it, but I am saying that there are times in, in the economic ferment, and we saw it in um, 2008, 2009, where some house builders, big house builders, came close to going bust. So yes, you, at the moment, I think everything looks great for house builders. You've got interest rates, which are clearly too low. You have help to buy schemes. You have land banks that are just going up in value. 
uh, at the moment, even a moron running a, a house building company couldn't fail to make money. But house building has, as I was just describing, a bit of a downside every now and again. It has an existential crisis. Now, as a, as a general view, I don't really want to have to predict when that existential crisis is going to arrive. So because of its extreme potential cyclicality, I find that sector not one that I really wish to get involved in. Uh, John, the other thing, as we record this in the middle of July 2021, is inflation, which is obviously linked to interest rates. And earlier this week, Fevertree announced that it was seeing input prices going up. And today, Unilever have said the same thing, announcing their half-yearly results and are not willing to confirm their full-year outlook. ABB, which is the Swiss engineering company, have said exactly the same thing again today. So there seems to be a lot of inflationary pressure out there, but we're being told by uh, the European Central Bank, Bank of England, that it's transitory. Well, I think anybody who takes any notice of the European Central Bank uh, or the US Federal Reserve or the Bank of England, I think you're making a huge error. Everywhere I look, I see inflation. Uh, it was Fevertree who said that the cost, I think it was over the last six months, the cost of a container onto the eastern coast of the states had gone up 35%, and the cost of a container to get to the west coast of the states had gone up, I can't remember whether it was 60 or 65%. Now, to a degree, obviously, as, as um, economies become a little freer and unlock after the pandemic, you would expect that kind of thing to happen. But Everywhere you look, I see inflation. US inflation is now running at over 5%. Inflation in the UK last month, I think it was 2.1%. Now it's gone to 2.5%. The target is supposedly 2%. The Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee is running interest rates at 0.1%. Uh, I, have, I don't believe there is any doubt whatsoever we are now looking at a, an inflationary spike and it's not just a spike that's to do with the uh, end of the pandemic. It's going further than that. Oil prices have been perky um, everywhere. You can see inflation. If you look at the, on the supermarket shelves, you know stuff that used to be a pound is is now one pound twenty. Uh, you try and get hold of a tradesperson, and if you can, just look at what they're what they're now uh, charging. Second-hand car prices I saw in a couple of months are up double-digit percentages. So every straw that one sees in the wind is telling me that inflation is coming. Uh, it's already here, and I think it's going to get worse. Yes, some of it is to do with the unlocking of the, of the pandemic, but everything that's happening in, in the world of monetary policy, uh, and you look where interest rates are, you look how much governments are spending that they haven't actually got, and as I said at the beginning, if, if you listen to the cheerleaders of this nonsense, central banks, the likes of Mrs. Lagarde and uh, Andrew Bailey uh, or Jerome Powell, then uh, I think you are going to be surprised at how, how wrong they will ultimately be. They've become politicians, these people, and most politicians talk nonsense. Okay, so as we drive round the countryside and up and down the motorways, we see more and more electric cars. Is it too late to invest in battery technology stocks? 
Well, I would argue that uh, not. Well, I'm not. I'm not a scientist, so I don't. I don't like getting involved in things that I don't believe I can add some value to. So the technology behind this is not something that I feel I uh, I know enough about. I the questions I would be asking are how how distinct is any battery technology? Can you? look at it and think well in five years time there could be a better battery that comes along or is that a level of technology for example the internal combustion engine has been going for what 120 years or so and while they've become more efficient and all the rest of it the technology is basically the same you you are you are igniting uh, petroleum products uh, in a combustion chamber so batteries there are no doubt all different sorts of them i don't feel qualified to be able to arrive at a conclusion what i'm really saying is is that the technology may change quite considerably and if we go back to do you remember video recorders betamax was supposedly the uh, the better format but um it didn't it didn't win the battle of, of the video recorders and it went VHS. So that's the kind of investment question that I, or investment hurdle, that is, um, I regard as being too high and uh, I don't want to try and jump it. Robert, if a client comes to you and said, should I be investing in blue chip companies or should I be trying penny shares, what would be your reaction? Uh, thank you, Ian. Uh, my reaction would be to say to them, if they want to play roulette, they should go to a casino and therefore they should avoid in general the penny shares. I'll tell you a little story. Before I start, a penny share is literally a share which is quoted and is worth pennies per share. So by way of example, um, uh, there's a stock called there was a stock called City Vision in the city in 1984. They were per share, roughly speaking, two pence per share. Now, if you look at the price of Royal Dutch Shell, uh, that is per share £13.60 per share. When I first started stockbroking in 19, all those many, many years ago in 1984, in the city, the stock of the moment was a stock called Intervision, which changed its name to City Vision, and it was a penny share. Every man and his dog were buying City Vision, and guess what? They went bust. Just because penny share is called a penny share does not mean to say it's cheap. Um, it means to say that the stock that it represents has very little value, and it has very little value for a reason, and that is because, generally speaking, it's an extremely risky prospect. I'm not saying that you couldn't make money in penny shares. You can, but you can easily lose money in penny shares. Again, in my experience, it's quite a good lesson to buy a penny share that you've heard about whispered in, in, in a golf club that you really must buy this bit thing because it's going to the moon and then to lose money because then you realise that actually money doesn't grow on trees. People may perceive buying Unilever at 40 odd quid a share is very expensive and boring. Far from it, in my opinion, you're much more likely to make long term capital by buying a, a super company like Unilever than you are a small penny share. If I could just add, Robert, I think there is um, people should ask themselves, why is this share worth pennies? There's a reason why it's a penny share. And if 
you can't see what that reason is, then you really shouldn't be investing. I think the point is penny shares have been associated with speculative purchases of companies. They're either companies which have listed on the stock market and at a higher prices and have fallen from grace and appear to be cheap for, for some reason, or they have been deliberately priced very low because within this in this country, there are a lot of investors who like to feel that they've got a, a, a large number of shares. I think it's a complete misnomer. I think that it doesn't matter what price you pay for a company. Um, it doesn't matter how many shares you get, whether it's a small number or a big number. It's the percentage of that company you own, which is important. This material should not be considered as advice or an investment recommendation. Investors should seek advice from an advisor regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority prior to making investment decisions. All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of investments and any income from them can go up as well as down, and you may not get back the amount originally invested. Information contained in this podcast was true at the time of recording.